Hello, friends, and welcome to the StoryForge podcast, Making Things Matters. I'm Lyle Smith, your host. And uh, today, I wanted to take a brief moment to let you in on a few new things that are going on around the pod office. We have a new episode that just dropped. We have a new website, uh, which we hope you'll enjoy. We have a new list of really exciting guests coming up. We'll be publishing on a more regular schedule over the next few weeks, and we're starting to produce some new special content that we're going to be making available soon. Also, on our new website, we have a new store and a small collection of what we think is some pretty cool merchandise for our fans. There are t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Uh, Some directly related to the pod, other stuff we thought was just kind of fun or funny. Uh, We'll let you decide. Anything you purchase directly supports the show and we are tremendously grateful for. And that's all the news, uh, except to say that today we have a conversation with someone I consider a truly great marketing mind. Yes, uh, Jordan Cohen and I do have a little personal history, but it's been years since we worked together and quite some time since we've even really spoken either. Uh, But I've been following his journey over the past year and a half or so. He's a lifelong New Yorker, a consummate New Yorker, born and raised. And over the course of the pandemic, he bought a house and moved to a small seaside town in Maine, of all places. Checking out his posts over that time, it became glaringly apparent that he, his wife Elizabeth, and his wee pup, that's an actual dog, all have utterly embraced the experience of becoming Mainers. But he has not yet even begun to give up the depth of personality he spent a lifetime building back in Manhattan. This little conversation contains what I think may be one of the best leadership tips I ever got. His boss, our boss at the time, actually pointed out three people in competitor firms that held the same position as Jordan. Uh, The assignment was simple, do better than them. Everything else was filtered through that singular lens. Simple, clear, easy to measure, and they called them by name. There they are, go get them. He's a great guy, a great mind, and he has a great story to tell that I hope you all enjoy and gain a little insight from. CEO and founder of the fairly new growth marketing agency, the Fox Hill Group, Jordan Cohen. Here we go. So you, my friend, are a lifelong New Yorker. Uh, Yes. Lower East Side, no? Greenwich Village. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, as, as long as I've known you, you've been a New Yorker and you've been sort of a consummate New Yorker. And yet, now you're in Maine. How'd that happen? Yes, I, I am a consummate New Yorker. Neurotic, walking past, curse too much. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Too, too, yeah. Uh, no, thanks. Yeah, so well, you got to remember, I'm from Jersey. So all my favorite, all my favorite words have four letters. So yeah, yeah, no good. So we, we relate. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes people getting used to up here. So Maine, I had the good fortune of, so my, my main story or how I ended up in Maine and my love, my love affair with Maine has been pretty much lifelong. I was very fortunate. Um, to have been sent to sleepaway camp in Maine, starting at age 10. 
Um, I don't want to, well, as part of me being a, a New Yorker and being just blunt, um, as a, as a Jewish immigrants, child, child, you know, as a child of immigrants, it's a very uh, Jewish thing to do to go to sleepaway camp. Okay. I don't know if I know any other Jewish kids who didn't go to sleepaway camp. <laughs> and I went to sleepaway camp in Maine um, at age 10. And um, I was one of those kids, not that I'm a huge guy now, but I had a very late growth spurt in high school. And I was like the runt of the litter. I was always the kid at the front of the class holding the sign for the picture. <laughs> right? And I went to a camp that wasn't like a sports camp. And it was very much a place where I got to really become like the best version of myself. I really just, cause you know, as a, as a kid and as a boy, and especially in the eighties, hopefully things have gotten a little bit better now, but it was all about your prowess at sports. And if you're the runt of the class, you're not going to be that good at sports. And um, yeah, so I definitely had like self-esteem issues and I went to a wonderful, wonderful camp in central Maine. And it was just such a life affirmative or life affirming type of experience. And um, yeah, and that's how it got started. And I just had the, the greatest experience. I wasn't a kid who was, you know, crying myself to sleep. Right. And missing my I didn't miss my parents and they came on visiting day in the middle of the summer. I barely noticed that they were there. And um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and it's with that that I that I, you know, kind of started going to Maine and. Um, you know, I had been on hiatus for a number of years in between kind of like leaving camp and becoming an adult and going through career and everything until I met my wife. Um, it was one of those, at least for me, I, I knew as soon as like it was our first date that she was going to be the person I was going to marry. And, um, and so when it came time for us to take our first vacation, uh, I said, I'm, let's, let's go up to Maine. Let's go to Acadia and uh, took her up there. And it was her first time ever in Maine. She's from Louisiana. So I'm a, a New York Jewish boy. She's a, you know, <laughs> a Southern, bunch of grew, grew, grew up Southern Baptist in Louisiana. Um, that's a whole <laughs> other story. And um, and we went up to Acadia, had a wonderful time. And a year later, went back to Acadia, Labor Day. And uh, and I proposed to her at this very special spot in the park. Um, oh, and we've had a love affair with the state ever since and been coming up every summer. And um, yeah, and when, when the pandemic hit, um, it wasn't really question in terms of like a place where we want to kind of camp out um close enough to the city you know i i my parents are around and i'm happy about yeah, that are there? So your parents are still around yeah yeah so want to be you know close to them my uh, brother has a you know i have a i'm blessed to have a, a three-year-old niece and uh, they're in new jersey um so i want to be close enough to home but also you know um it was it was a you know a time where we could work for wherever we wanted to and and awesome. this, is, this is kind of like always been our favorite place on earth. So uh, where, where in Jersey? Because I get I get distracted by when people say Jersey. I get distracted. Oh, East Brunswick. They, oh, they, East Brunswick. They oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I used to. I I, I lived in. Well, I lived in Central Jersey. I know. I know the area. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 So yeah. So Maine. So you. But you didn't just camp out there. You you become homeowners there too which is yeah oh yeah we didn't we, we weren't really camping yeah we we found it we found an airbnb <laughs> that we in, in rockport maine which is in mid coast it's about 
of a little bit less than two hours north of Portland um, mm-hmm. on the coast. It's when the main, it's when Maine starts becoming what I consider real Maine, you know, mountainous. And, right. um, and uh, yeah, we rented in Rockport for a little while and then we were, you know, had our eye on the real estate market and found a beautiful place in Camden, which is right next door. Um, and, uh, and I actually got in before there was this kind of, uh, you know, crazy real estate mania, like people buying houses sight unseen and paying above what they're listed for. We That's a real thing. I mean, that's been going yeah. on here too. It's been really kind of crazy how, how things have changed. Yeah, no, absolutely. But we, um, yeah, we, we kind of got in right before that happened and got a deal on the place. And, um, we live in this beautiful house from 1925 and I am, uh, 40 something. And I've spent my entire life in apartments. The largest space I've ever been in was 1200 square feet. And that was with my parents and my brother Uh in a room with, and, um, and now I'm living in a uh, 2,000 square foot house with a little yard, and uh, I'm loving it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's a whole different life, really. So you know, and you have a dog. I know, I've noticed, yep. uh, who who seems to enjoy hiking with you, or at least enjoys hiking as much as you do. Yeah, um, she's my, yeah, she's my uh, my partner in crime because my my <laughs> wife won't come with me. No, but no, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, that that's the other joke that I always I always make is that I, we really made the move for Juju. She she deserved a better life. <laughs> she liked it a lot better in Maine than the Upper East Side. Yeah, a little more a little more space to roam around in. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so the camp. Let me go. I'm going to go back to the. I'm going to go back away the, back to the sleepaway camp for a second. Um, what kind of what kind of camp was it? Just a typical camp? Was it a Jewish camp? Was it a what does it predominantly you said you didn't yeah, know no, no, no. Oh, yeah. oh, no. oh. go to camp so i'm curious yeah no it it, it was and, and i'm not and i'm actually not a not a, a religious person at all it was um a, a jewish camp but for people ranging from non-religious and ethnic you know up to up to orthodox yeah um, so, well you're you're sort of a, well that's been my experience with you anyways you're sort of a cultural jew you know yeah you know. right um so, yeah, <laughs> I, I that's how i described you know culture cultural jew um yeah. and, uh and and i'm actually i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm half is my mom's from israel believe it oh or really my, yeah my, my dad's third generation bronx mm-hmm. but uh, uh yeah. but um but yeah but it was it was a, a yeah, jewish camp but it wasn't a um it wasn't like so it was you know just typical camp on a lake you know you play sports and have trivia nights and color war and all that stuff. But it wasn't a, there was really a big emphasis on um, healthy competition, not, you know, there's a lot of camps out there. There are especially like the, the, the all boys or all girls camps that are just, you know, sports camps. They can get pretty um, cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really about, it was not about that. And it was very much about the self-actualization of every child, which sounds kind of corny, but is actually very, I think, important. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so it was, it was, it was that type of place. And yeah, it was really special. The The guy who owned it um, was, was really a, a mensch in every sense of the world. He passed away far too young, um, which is which is sad, but he was really, uh, really, really an angel, um, an inspiration to me and really everybody who went to that camp. It's called Camp Moden, by the way. Um, it's in Belgrade. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. It's still and, operating. And, uh, what's that? It's still operating? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it, oh, and wow. it's actually, I think it's the oldest, it's definitely the oldest Jewish camp in New England and possibly all of America. It was founded wow. in the 20s. 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, like I said, and I, I, I do tell people that it was, it was about, um, finding the, the best, you know, being my best self right. and, and having those memories attached to it. Um, I'm very, I'm very open about that and very cognizant of it. Yeah. Um, in terms of like why a place would hold such meaning to somebody. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah, kind of really got to be myself be my best self, enjoy being me. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so Maine's always been, been that place That's for me. That's really cool. I like that. And, and now, and you have in, in recent year or years um, started your own shop, right? Your own business. Yeah. Uh, Fox Hill uh, growth marketing is, is what it says. What does it say? Um, yeah, growth marketing agency. Because yeah. some marketing is about growth. Some of it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not as teasing. You know, I think it's. Um, no, I think it's important for. Um, you know, uh, I, I. Yeah. So the Fox Hill Group is a growth marketing agency, and I, I include that word because we really do specialize in. You know, my companies I, I'm comfortable working with, which are right. startups, right? Um, where it is a a kind of growth at all costs mentality. Right. Um, and it is a little bit different in terms of the disposition of the company and the way a company operates and what a company expects out of marketing relative to, you know, a giant consumer enterprise. Right. So, right. Um, so yeah, so I, I started the agency um, with the mindset that we were going to help companies um, really from, you know, who were just starting out, um, who are in launch phase and have big ambitions and are trying to, you know, make a difference in their little corner of the world right. um, up to, up to um, companies that are, you know, gearing up for an exit or an IPO in the immediate future and need that, that extra kind of, kind of pizzazz that marketing could lend um, when you're, when you're gearing up for, for a big event like that. Right. Yeah. So what, so what got you, well, how, how long ago did you start Fox Ellis? It's recent really, right? Yeah. Um, well, I read you were, I, you were consulting at one point. I mean, I, I, I've been through your resume, so we can talk all about that. But I, I'm really I'm yeah, curious I, about the uh, the inception of, of this entity. Yeah, it really started um, before registration of the business in right. April of 2020. Uh, registered the business. For, so got my LLC. That's what I consider the real business. Yeah. Uh, so not being a sole proprietorship. Um we registered the business June 2020, uh, but it had been the works for the past couple of years. Um, I'd say I didn't really have the courage to do it for the first couple of years. So ever since I left Fluent, which um, was, you know, I've worked for a lot of startups over the years since we worked together. Um, and some of them have gone belly up really quick. Some took a little while to die. A couple are pretty successful but haven't had that moment yet um yeah. fluent was the one where i was there for almost four years as cmo and we actually got sold for a lot of money and ipo and on the nasdaq and had all the stuff that you dream of when you when you right. joined startup land um yeah. and ever since that job i've been um this this wandering nomad in the in the desert um <laughs> you know, trying out different things. No, and 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 I did. I definitely made a couple of mistakes, probably after, in terms of some of the choices I made. But um, you know, felt a need to rush back into a 
another kind of full-time internal corporate gig that wasn't right for me for a number of reasons, right. um, but primarily, um, you know, which, which is something that I, I've become increasingly or find very important, which is, you know, um, cultural fit and, and, and personality and, um, you know, really enjoying the people you you're working with. Right. Um, but, but, you know, I've done, I did a number of different things. I did a couple of consulting stints, um, you know, not the fractional CMO, but kind of contract CMO sweeping right. in when, when some other poor soul was, you know, abruptly, <laughs> abruptly brought into the corner office one day and told he didn't have a job. And then, right. uh, and then, you know, and then, oh, surprise, here I am to, to, to fill in the gaps for a while. Right. Wow. Um, but yeah, but, but it, um, you know, but really ever since flu and I, I thought about going off on my own, but wasn't, you know, for whatever reason, didn't feel ready to pull the trigger or confident right. enough to do it. Um, so was there, was there anything that made you feel that was the right moment? Yeah, I, I think that it was actually dipping my toes into an agency experience for a little bit and understanding, cause I'd always worked for software companies. So under just, even just ever so briefly working for an agency and understanding the dynamics of the agency world, mm -hmm. um, and how they operate, um, and realizing that um, my clients were coming to me uh, for my, you know, for my whatever expertise they perceived me to have. Right. Um, but no, but becoming becoming to me, but but looking for me to bring to the table more than I could possibly do on my own as an individual, nor I necessarily have as as a as a core skill set like graphic design um, or uh, you know I'm not really. Sorry, my dog's barking in the. No worries. Yeah, I'm, they're, um, mine, mine are going to hear you. I have two golden retrievers on the other side of the door. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So get involved. Yeah, so, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no. So, so I was just saying that. Um, yeah. So more of my clients are coming to me for that CMO leadership, for brand strategy, for 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 helping them with their overall growth. But I needed helping hands when it came to demand generation, um, you know, ma managing paid media spend on a day. Yeah, because that, that, um, um, that consulting area that, that where, you're, where your real expertise that I know of kind of lives is, is kind of a squishier thing. It's a squishier description. It, it has tendrils that go out and that you point them in directions. And then so when now that you're, you're uh, portraying yourself as an agency, now, now you have to deliver on those tendrils and say, okay, well, I'm not just going to point you to somebody. I'm going to say, wait, no, this is where we're going and this is how we're going to do it. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. Or, or the option as a consultant is to point people and, and to start piecing together, kind of stitching together instead of a tech stack, uh, a talent stack. Right. Um, but, you know, I think my clients have greater comfort in knowing that um, they don't have to build a stack. They could go through one centralized place and make sure that they're getting excellence across all the functional areas. Right. Whether it's design, whether it's content, whether it's demand, whether it's publicity, um, whether it's events. Um, right. So, so one of the one of the other things I kind of realized in terms of making the decision to to pull the trigger is that I have over the course of of two decades gotten to know some of the most talented people um, in the country when it comes to right. business to business marketing, when it comes to startup marketing, right. um, and uh, and and I found my I found my A players across every every functional kind of area. Um, so so um, when I'm coming to clients, 
you know, they're able to have the confidence that they're going to be able to receive that functional excellence and that, that level of standard that, you know, they hold me to and I hold myself to right. across everything that we're bringing to the table, um, including things that I don't know, you know, I wouldn't be able to do like, like build a website, you right. know, trust me, you don't want me getting, you don't want me coding anything. <laughs> I know I'm kind of in tune with that. I, I get, I, I, tr- I, when I started my operation, I, I started trying to be all things to all people, which is kind of a, a classic mistake, a classic blunder. Uh, and over the years, I've gotten more and more focused on what I really do well and, and try to, you know, um, agency eyes what I do. So it's like, I, I, you come in to talk about me, talk to me about messaging and store, brand storytelling and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, in most of my clients are already in the midst of building their new website or building their new campaign or whatever it is they're doing when I meet them and then all of a sudden they realize, oh, wait, we should have, we should have, we should have started with this other thing. Uh, and then I kind of get them involved and the, you know, the designers, the, the, the coders and, and developers I know I bring in to do these things. And they're, um, so it's, it's, um, they're a little backwards sometimes. And, and that's, it's, it's really, I think that's the biggest thing I need to sort of sell is this idea of like, I know, you know, kind of the order of operations you need to follow to be successful. Right. You know? So, uh, yeah, it's funny. Cause when we met, when I first met you, uh, you were already there and I had come in as uh, a copywriter at Bigfoot Interactive years and years ago. And you, I don't know if that was your first job or one of your first jobs, uh, but I remember you being very, uh, very young, very energetic, uh, and, and you, you created this energetic, playful, uh, kind of joyful environment around yourself, uh, that, that made, you know, and, and there were numerous of these personalities there, I think, who kind of made that a, a nice place to be and a fun place to work, uh, most of the time. Um, but you know, that's, that's when you're young, when you're starting out, you're kind of, you know, but you, you came in with a certain amount of confidence, even as a very young person. Um, and I'm wondering where that comes from or where that came from. Wow. Or are you even aware of it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Cause I, cause I just had lunch with, with somebody, uh, a new contact here. We were talking about generations and ethos work ethics Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, and, and maybe, maybe it goes back to that, you know, run, run to the class thing um, yeah. from, from way back then. But um, uh, yeah, I, I've always been extremely competitive, extremely determined. Um, you know, if I, it sounds cliche, but if I am going to do something, I want to be the best at it. Um, the beauty of, the job at Bigfoot Interactive. So that was actually my, my third job out of school. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was pretty young. I think when I, when I was there, I was 25 or 26. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, something else I talked about with this person today about how, how people don't, don't stay at jobs for 30 years anymore. No. Um, but yeah, but I, I was, I was definitely, I was definitely and it. And it does play into kind of, you know, this lifestyle change now in my, my forties here in, in, in Maine as well. But you know, I grew up in New York City, so 
I did. I grew up in New York City, in the city itself, in an apartment building. I went to public schools and um, the, the school system isn't that great. Um, it has a couple of gems in it. But you have to start testing into, you know, you don't just kind of get to like luckily be in a school district that's good or not. You you have to start testing, um, kind of like taking the SATs instead of at age 16, at age like 11. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, so testing to get into, you know, a really good uh public junior high school and then testing to get into at the time, like, you know, so I went to Bronx science. I'm more proud of that school than I am college. Um, you know, best high school in the country. It is um, a great but, school. Yeah. There's like you said, yeah. there's a few gems. I, I was going to, I couldn't remember which, which school you went to. And I, I was yeah, Stuyvesant. Yeah. Stuyvesant's like the other one. Right? No, I, I said, so no, that, that is, that's supposedly better, but I, I missed it by a couple of, I missed it by a couple of points. So I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm really happy that I, that I got to no, but I'm happy that I got to go to Bronx Science to put, you know, gave me, gave me, gave me some some muscle, um, <laughs> some survival skills um, <laughs> that I wouldn't have gotten if I went to the, the plush new school on Chamber Street in Lower Manhattan. Right. Um, but 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 yeah, but I um but I was always, you know, testing and um and then in Bronx Science, it was such a such an incredibly competitive environment, and everybody who was there was just brilliant. Um, I mean, these are you know, I think, yeah, New York City has the, the largest public school system in the entire country. And you've got thousands of kids testing to get into just a few thousand spots across right. these, at the time, three specialized high schools, Stuyvesant, Bronx Science and Brooklyn Tech. Right. And all, all those kids were brilliant. And so many of them have gone on to do like unbelievable, incredible things. But um, but I was always in this in these very competitive situations um and um and surrounded by especially as a child surrounded by really ambitious people um people who are ambitious at age like 10 or 11 some of them are like movie stars right now some of them are you know writers for the wall street journal some of them are you know i mean people are just doing incredible things um so yeah. i was just around i was i was always in that environment um so when you met me i was really determined to to climb the corporate ladder as fast as humanly possible. And I also happened to get recruited into a job where I had very clearly defined competitors. So Bigfoot Interactive, so that was like pre all the, the acquisitions in the email service provider space, but right. it was us against Cheetah Mail, um, which got acquired by Experian while we were there, um, Digital Impact, which got acquired by Axiom, mm -hmm. um, Double click, which we ended up acquiring after we got acquired by Epsilon. That's right. But so I had so I had I had these very clear direct competitors company-wide or, or company-wise. And then within them, there was one individual who had the same job as me. And I know them all by name still. I won't name them here, but they know <laughs> who they are. And our our mutual boss like blended the three of their names together. And said, "You go and beat them." That sounds about right. So I could, so I could, I could say that, like, he called them Ken Ben Jolly. <laughs> and said, you, you, Jordan, you better go and beat Ken Ben Jolly at their game. So I had, I had, you know, clear bullseyes, and um, and yeah, I, I so I, I approached that job with with real ferocity, and I yeah. wanted to beat them at 
at, at the game. Um, I was always, you know, I, that's that's what always sort of really impressed me about you uh, is is you had this. I mean, clearly you were passionate about what you were doing. Clearly you had uh, goals in mind, uh, whether you shared those with, you know, guys in other departments like me or not. Uh, but you clearly had them. Um, and you had a, you had a confidence about you, but it was not, uh, there was never any arrogance about it. As far as I could see, it was always just, you know, I know what I'm after. I know what I'm going to do. Uh, and also never a fear of learning, which I always found was really kind of interesting. You, I don't know if you remember this, but you used to come over to me and ask grammar questions sometimes. I, I absolutely <laughs> do. And thank you. <laughs> and I always thought that was really funny. And I'm like, I don't know. I, this, well, this is how I remember it. And uh, so, you know, you, you, you didn't seem and I, I think maybe that matches to what you're doing in your company now is, is connecting all those sort of areas of expertise regardless of where they may be you're like okay i need that bring it here um you know uh so that's kind of interesting so i mean you tell me i mean that was that was my perception of you (laughs) was your perception the same or was it uh or was that a a a mask uh yeah no i i you know that's that's it's a loaded question and mask no (laughs) i think uh, no i you know i i will say um I, you know, I read a lot about like imposter syndrome or stuff like that. And I joke with my wife that I've, I've posture syndrome, the opposite <laughs> of that. Yeah. Like, no, I know. I, 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 I think that, uh, you know, and I, I, you know, I feel like I know what I'm strong at and I don't make bones about it. And, um, I know what I'm weak at and I'm also pretty clear and upfront about that with myself and with other people. And, Maybe that's a, I don't know if it's a New Yorker thing or my family or me or whatever, but I feel like I've, for better or for worse, have just been an honest person or try to be very honest um, because I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's actually kind of weird almost, but I, I just don't see another way of being. Um, but yeah, I, I, well, sooner or later, people are going to find you out if you're not on it. Right? Sooner, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, but, but again, but like, but like I said to, to, to that to that point, yeah. I mean, any any confidence that I had was was true confidence and what I knew I was strong at, mm-hmm. um, and, and I wouldn't make bones about it. And then mm-hmm. and then when I'm when I recognize somebody is stronger at something, so I mean, so that's a big part. I so I just um, you know, one of our clients, uh, you know, we're we're doing you know, kind of writing for them right now. And right. I just introduced uh, our writer to to the CEO of the company. And I said, you know, CEO, this is the best writer I've ever worked with in my entire career. And I said, and I'm a pretty, and I said to him, I said, I'm a pretty damn good writer, but I'm not as good as this, but I'm still not as good at this as this guy is. And, uh, and I made him blush a little bit, the writer. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do that. But, but yeah, but um, yeah, writers, yeah, but, but he's, he no, he, he said, uh, and he's and he's Scottish, and he said, uh, he said, well, you, you I'm not, I'm not going to do the accent. <laughs> I was about to. He uh, no, he but he was like, well, you must not have you know worked with that many good writers, and uh, and I said, no, no, you're the, you're the you're the absolute freaking best. Um, yeah. So so yeah, so um, so you know, I think that uh, I think that you know, in terms of the the person you met there, that that confidence in what I'm good at 
was true. I think the energy was was real. And, and I like that you said that there was, you know, kind of a, 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 a funness or a levity. Funness, yeah. Is that a word? Yeah. I, um, I, was, I, I was thinking about that today when I was getting ready, you know, uh, well, last week and then today when I was getting ready to get on with you here. Um, that's, that's the one thing, you know, I mean, there's a bunch, there's a ton of things, but that was one thing that really came through is I remember, um, because I'm, I'm sort of, um, I'm sort of the opposite of you in a lot of ways, personality wise, I'm really more, uh, I'm, I'm quieter when I come to people I'm I'm a little less confident maybe than I, than I probably should be, frankly. Uh, so when I see somebody doing it and being totally genuine about it, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I'd like, I need to pick, pick up on that too. I, I'm always big on learning from other people around me. And, um, so I always thought that was really just sort of a tremendous thing, uh, to see somebody else doing and, and with, and there was joy about it. There was not, it was fun. There was, there was joking, but appropriate joking, uh, appropriate amount of joking it wasn't like a whole comedy club kind of thing like some rooms get sure you know but it's like you weren't afraid to laugh about things and more importantly i think you you're and i see this even in your in your social media persona out there is you never seem afraid to answer a question um honestly directly how you actually feel uh whereas i i personally tend to be a bit more diplomatic with most people uh, and I'm trying to break myself of that habit. Yeah, well, it it, it gets me into trouble sometimes, Lyle. To be to be honest, um, I, you know, so a little bit of a little bit of trouble is not so bad sometimes. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a fair it's a fair trade off. I'd rather uh, get into the trouble sometimes and be honest than than uh, than the other way around. And I found that um, just as much as it caused trouble, it's actually also led to led to some degree of success. Um, right. So it's. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But well, like in the creative world, you know, there's sort of two ways of going at it, right? When you're going to go create something for somebody on an idea that they're working on and uh, you can go, you can go really big and bold. And I always like to say it's a lot easier to dial it back than it is to play it up, uh, which I think is absolutely true. But it's really natural to try and guess at what they want instead of just making it big and bold and what it should be whatever that thing is. And, um, you know, that's something I battle with all the time. I don't know. So. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I like that you bring that up. So now that I'm, you know, and I'm still always, like you said, the, the learning thing, I'm always like developing the playbook and refining the playbook. And, um, but now when I, when I put together teams and we're approaching, you know, a marketing project and, and like I said, you know, to the, the Fox Hill group now we're we're invariably, that's the beauty of this agency slash consulting type of life is we're being brought in to solve problems. It's never, we're never brought in because things are rosy. We're, we're being brought in for a specific set of expertise. And especially in, in the world of, you know, business to business software um, and venture back companies, there's, there's so many of them. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable how radically different the environment is today than it was when we were working together, like almost 20 years ago. Um, just when you look at the map of logos, I'm like, oh my god, there's so many damn companies right now. True. And how do you how do you? So it's really marketing has become about 
you know, and, you know, there's all the talk about the analytics and you know, the, we're going to growth hack our way. It, it, nothing, nothing replaces good storytelling and, you know, fundamentally, you know, you're always in a crowded space. You always have competitors. If you have a product that's worth purchasing or looking at and, right. How do you how do you cut through the clutter? How do you break through the noise? How do you rise above the noise? Um, right. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of the one of the first like so when when we start tackling anything, right? When I get into a with my team of of other marketers, right? Uh, the first the first word that I always put up on the whiteboard is sensationalism. And what does it mean to you? Um, and yeah, not being not being afraid to be sensational, not being afraid of that word, because otherwise you're just boring. Right. And and maybe that's what maybe that's why it drew me to marketing. Maybe that's what you know gives me that energy or whatever that you you thought that I had 20 years ago, and I hope I still have now as an old man. Uh, not an old man, middle, I guess, uh, middle aged. How that happened? Um, no, but but no, but yeah, um, I think. You know the, the fun thing about marketing is that it's a creative field, and right that we get to we get to come up with big ideas. We right. get to we get to try things, and and yeah, I mean you could you could kind of play it. If you play it safe, you're going to fail. You're going to kind of suck, right. and and, so, and sometimes you just got to come in and, and you know that that's why what, what I love about it is that you have those those eureka moments in the bathtub or hiking a mountain or right. doing yoga or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're like, I've got it. I've figured out how to make this company really look cool. Right. You know, and, how to, and how to make somebody be interested in it. Um, um, Somebody's playing outside. Yeah. Our uh, we have visitors. That's, that's a main thing. You, you get visitors. They like to come over the summer, not any other. Season. When you live in a place, yeah. When you live in a cool place, we get visitors down here too. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. yeah, but that's but that's a that's a real thing. Is that um, eureka moment? You say it's it's um, um, you know a lot of uh, there's sort of two message uh, messages I go out with my clients a lot of the times is is they um, I like to say base hits win ball games. Uh, home runs as beautiful as they may be as inspiring as they are to, to the, um, to the fan base. Uh, if, if, if you keep getting base hits and moving, moving players around the bases, you're going to win, you know, home runs don't win by themselves. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, you know, Babe Ruth's name still, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's a little bit of, uh, it's a balance of both. And I've been talking a lot lately with a few, a few people who are looking for some services that I do, who, who are all SEO type people. And they're all about, they're all about the machinery of good quality content. Right. And I keep preaching and I've preached for a long time, this idea that there's, there's machine quality and there's human quality and you, you can't win without doing both of them. Um, you know, uh, but in the end, when a real person who's going to actually pay for something shows up on your site or your ad or your email or whatever it is they're reading, um, they need to understand what you're talking about so that, you know, that story has to resonate with them. Yep. You know, and that's so at any rate. Yeah. No, I, well, I, I've, been, I've, I've been having this running debate with another CMO who, um, 
it's funny because you know if, if you if you get interviewed by recruiters, they ask you like, "What type of CMO are you?" And what, what they're what they're asking is, so that's like, "What t- what type of CMO are you?" I was like, "I'm a bad one. I'm a bad." <laughs> like, yeah, that's, and what, what they're really getting at is like, there's only three types of CMOs, and then there's the fourth, right? So there's um, there's the product marketing, the classically trained product marketer. Right. There's the demand generation specialists there's the brand person mm-hmm. that's that's me i think or that's what they think i am and uh and then there's the unicorn <laughs> you can do all three right so i've got a friend she's no she's a phenomenal marker she's a demand gen she's the demand gen one and i love pr you know i love pr i freaking love getting cliffs yeah and we're pretty and we're pretty good at it and i love seeing my company's name in lights i'm not gonna lie i like seeing my own name in lights being on tv was the biggest one of the most exciting things and scary that i've ever done (laughs) but it, it was cool as shit and uh you know and i've got it forever now because of the internet and lives out lives on in perpetuity that's awesome um but i but i i love pr and I've got this CMO friend who um, swears against it. P- she said, PR has never created a single opportunity for my company, right? Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all um, outputs, not outcomes. Remember she said that to me. Hmm. She listens to this, she's going to kill me. And I, I think that all of like the biggest success stories I've been part of have had like tremendous PR, including Bigfoot Interactive. And having that third party validation, right? Um, Being out there, being thought leaders, being part of like a national story, there is nothing more powerful. And then me taking, you know, my, my, you know, client and saying like, hey, look, here's their CEO quoted in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today or whatever about holiday shopping. It just gives so much more credibility than, hey, here's that, here's that person not in the news ever, or here's that person in some like industry trade publication versus, boom, I'm dropping, yeah, Babe Ruth, I'm dropping (laughs) Wall Street Journal on you right now, right? Right. Like we are like, right, like it's Adobe, Deloitte, and this company you never, ever heard of. Right. Except right. until now, because we just got them in there. Right. We just and told you about it. Yeah, no, but that's it. I mean, that's a thing. Right. Um, but no, but no, but the robot, the machine is telling my demand gen person, we've looked at your whole marketing program and the, according to the robot, no, that doesn't work. But sending people, you know, some direct mailers, that's the way to go. Or, you know, spending some more on an SEM or whatever. Yeah. Right. Because according to the robot, PR has done nothing because it's not looking at last click, you know, uh, you know, the, there's not a backlink to the website or something. And, you know, it's such a myopic way of looking at things, you know, and so when, when my favorite thing, if like, you know, a recruiter talks to me about like, you know, how do you, you know, what, what are, what are like some metrics that are important to you as a marketer? You know, I just say revenue, sales, money, right. growing, right. right? MQLs, SQLs, oh, you could like freaking game that all you want, right? Like, you know, the the best conversation I've ever had, you know, there's just a few that, you know, stand out in my career, but like, you know, we had a sales guy close like out of the gate, this like $2 million deal with like a big publisher. 
And no, don't get me wrong. He's a hell of a guy. But the the CEO, right? We, I was I was you know just having a meeting with the CEO that week. We were talking about that deal, and right, and and uh, he was like, "Man, how'd we get that thing in the door?" I was like, "That guy, he's he's Superman, isn't he?" And the CEO was just laughing because it it was it was the the brand, the mystique that we had built around the brand made it so. And that and that's what you know we're trying to do as marketers: make it easy for salespeople to do their jobs. Right. But we had built such a mystique around the brand. We were out there in the press like 500 times that year, you right. know, and, and without that, you know, and, that, and that's what I love about marketing, seeing the before and after, right? right? Like, like there was no chance in hell that that guy would have closed that deal. Like no. as fast as he did, or for that company to write a $2 million check, you know? Um, well, that's it. You know, I, uh, I, la- I laugh, Wait, like, we kind of joked about it when we were connecting by email before this thing, before we booked this thing. Uh, but I remember the, I don't know if it was the first time I ever heard it, but it's the first time I remember hearing the term uh, thought leader was around you and what you were trying to do. And um, that's sort of what you're talking about here is like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, the machinery is all great and that, that, that drives traffic and, you know, people are searching for a solution to their problem. They're searching on their problem. Right. But what happens is that's all machinery and clicks and, 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 yeah. and digital behavior. Um, but what really happens is if, if you're a real person out there, especially in B2B uh, and you're thinking about your problem and you're thinking, okay, who out there does this? What, where do, and, and that thing that you heard, that thing that you read in the, in the Times or the Wall Street Journal or, the, or Time Magazine or, or that you heard that podcast where somebody was talking about X, Y, Z, that stuck in your head. And so now, oh yeah, let me look up Fox Hill Growth Marketing. And that's, that's not going to show up in the machinery of this other stuff. That's just, that's a direct, I remember who they are. I'm going there. Yep. And then they may not make their decision right then and there, but all of a sudden you're in the decision set without even working too hard. Well, you've done a lot of work to get there, but you know, without machinery working to get there. Yeah. No, when they're doing the research and when you're, when you're taking that and repurposing it and pushing it in front of them in emails or in ad campaigns. Right. And, And it's not just like, look at my blog posts or learn about or hear about my products some more yawn. Right. But like, Hey, like, wow, this is, no, this is, this is a company that's, that's real. This is a company we're doing business with thought leader. I, I, that, yeah, no, I, I was, that was a term thrust on me. It was the first time I ever heard that expression right. was when we were at Bigfoot Interactive. So I, my, my biggest contribution to the world of thought leadership has been, I've coined the phrase thought loser. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you, I, I, yeah, so I, I, I will say I'm a thought loser. But that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's kind of an over, overcooked phrase, thought leadership. Anyway, it's, it's, it's sort of a self, it's, I was saying there was, there was no arrogance to it. That's, that's the arrogant part of it. It's like, if you go around, it's like when you get a nickname, right? Yeah. You don't get to make up your own nickname. Your nickname is from somebody else. Somebody else gets to give you a nickname. And yeah. you you either earn it or you don't. Uh, it's either good or it's bad, helpful or not helpful. Right. Uh, it's like because Costanza tried to be T-bone and he ended up Coco. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. And if yeah. you go uh, and if you go go around telling everybody you're a thought leader, that's just a recipe for 
somebody else giving you a nickname you don't want. Yeah. Uh, I'm so, getting queasy just, yeah. Yeah. So you don't, you, you can't go claim it. You just have to do the good work and get out there and get seen and, and have a compelling story to tell. So you, so you basically started this company for real uh, in the midst of all this worldwide health chaos. Uh, how has that been? Um, knock wood. It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's been good. It's so we have clients. Thank you guys. <laughs> um, Very good. We've got, we've got really, really great clients. I think, um, folks who, who are innovative, who are ambitious, who are good people. Um, those are kind of the things that are like, you know, checkbox for me in terms of people who I want to work with. Um, it's been really fun and interesting launching my own business and it not being just me and having a PL and having an accountant and looking at, you know, paying the taxes and paying people and, um, you know, and, and exercising responsibility and, uh, and, and watching it grow. Um, I'll say that, you know, one of the, one of the things that, so in terms of launching it, I said, like, I really want to, I mean it, I really want to provide excellence across everything that we're, we're doing, um, first and foremost. Um, second, I have no, I don't have any 10 year plan for the company. I don't even have a one year plan for the company. I have absolutely, so while I've growth, I, well, I want to help the growth of my clients. Right. I don't have that for the Fox Hill group. Right. Maybe I will one day, but I don't have that pressure on myself, nor do I think it's important, nor do I think it's that healthy. And, and that's also, by the way, part of the, the whole learning thing. I've seen so many other talented, interesting people just burn themselves the hell out. Um, or worse, like, you know, exercise, like self-flagellation. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they just didn't hit a number, you know, or they haven't become, you know, the next Edelman within five years or 10 years, right. or they haven't become the next Facebook or this, right? When people set these, you know, there's so many people. So as, as much as like I, you know, we, we talked about like, you know, drive and ambition or whatever, like I've seen it be very positive and healthy. And I've also be- seen it be very poisonous to way too many people. Oh. And um, so when I, so yes, yeah, so starting the company has been about um, really one day at a time, trying to just do really well by our clients, you know, not grow at all costs, but grow, grow, grow organically, grow, grow. Well, and you need to manage your growth too. I don't know. I mean, as a marketer where you're talking about growth for your client, that's one thing, but when you're managing your own business and growing, um, it can get really dangerous if you grow faster than you can deliver on. Provide. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've had that problem myself a couple of times where it's gotten, things have gotten crazy, crazy busy. And I just, I can see it's going to be problematic if I don't, if I'm not able to make that that next leap, whatever that might be, um, it's, yeah, no, being being conscientious of the quality and what you're able to deliver, and being right. realistic about it. Um, right. But yeah, but, but the other thing I was going to say is, you know, it's been very important to to you know for me not just to work with anybody, but to work with people who 
I want to work with. It's a really um, that's fortunate place to be. Yeah, yeah it's and, and it's it's very and it's been very empowering and yeah, it's been a really um, it's been really interesting to to the script kind of and and to start thinking about just to start thinking about things that way. So, do you um, find your clients, or do your clients find you? Um, yeah, I, right now, yeah, I mean, everybody has been, it's all folks who I know who have been referred in. Right. Yeah. We're, we're a classic case of, and I think it's probably pretty normal with, with startup agencies. Um, we, we, we are like our own worst marketer. Um, <laughs> not that I just, I just, I, you we know, we could talk about that for a couple hours just by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't um like spend yeah we we don't have a business development function. The business function is I know some people or some people know me and uh so yeah, so that that's where we're that's where we're at. Um okay. yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how it's been for me too. It's and I always find it kind of because I find myself thinking about it from time to time because there's always that that you know that SEO person or that demand gen person, lead gen person who's who's like, oh, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And I'm like, you know, you go out with this idea that I'm coming in to help you grow your business, do your business more efficiently, whatever it is. And then the the inside nagging question in the back of my head is, oh, how are you doing that for your own business? And I'm like, well, not really. I'm, I'm just kind of trying to take good care of my clients as best I can. And, uh, and, you know, as long as I keep delivering success for them, they'll tell people about me. So, uh, what's, what's going on? Are you, you're permanently in Maine now? Yes. Yep. You have no intention of going back. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, are you doing, you know, I mean, I guess again, and maybe this has helped the, the pandemic situation has helped in that so many people were, you know, operating remotely, uh, or forced to operate remotely. Uh, are you are you, are you going to continue to do that? Are you going to be doing, you know, travel is going to come into it eventually? I imagine. Yeah, it was it was always part of the the thought process. Um, no, I mean it is you know definitely wouldn't really be feasible without the pandemic and the way that it's changed the world in terms of um, where we're able to work. And um, my wife works for Amazon Web Services. So she works for a big company, but it was like, that was a consideration too, obviously, you know, is, is she able to work from where she like kind of anywhere? Um, and they've been um, really amazing in terms of her and her, her colleagues um, in their response to all this. Um, but yeah, we, we really love the, the lifestyle. Um, and yeah, after that's another that's another. Uh, is 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 this affecting the noise today? <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 another. Um, I've had know, my son come in and visit us on some of these things. Too. Yeah, like in those in those those videos that go viral. Yeah, I, um, I talked. Yeah, I talked to a, a, an astronaut actually, an astronaut friend of mine. Um, yeah. We had this great conversation, and and then my son Aiden wandered in because he wanted to say hello to the astronaut. Yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so oh, so anyway, so Maine, yeah, so Maine is, um, yeah, the the intention is to stay here, um, and awesome. oh, what I was gonna say is that yeah, so you said I'm like kind of the consummate New Yorker. Um, yeah. I'll never, I'll always be a New Yorker, but it wasn't the healthiest. Like I, I do want, I wanted to talk about that on this thing. 
Sure. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a healthy lifestyle file or was it for me at least, um, you know, not exercising enough, not eating properly, drinking too much, um, you know, running, just running. I the the best quote in the yearbook with 800 kids who I graduated with is this kid, Gabe Bryant. And he wrote, ever since I was born, I was running. Like the things that stay with you in your mind. I thought that was wow. a great quote. Ever since I've been I, born, ever since I was born, I've been running. I'd read that novel. That just encapsulates <laughs> the life of every New York City child. You're right. just always running, running, running. And I'm telling you, it was just not, it just wasn't healthy. And there weren't great healthy outlets. And I didn't eat dinner until, you know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And it was something that was ordered. And I wasn't spending enough time with my wife and my puppy and my, you know, and just, and yeah, being able to just be a little bit slower, um, being able to have time in the morning to wake up and go for a bike ride or to hike a mountain. um, These all sound like luxuries, but they're not. They're stuff they're just things that people take for granted. You could do anything that you want to do in your life. You could do anything that you want to do with your time. And the only thing that's holding you back from that is your own head. The narratives that we create for ourselves are unbelievable. And it took me a long time to make that realization. And and it it didn't happen before we moved here. It was while we've been here. And I was born in New York, you know, to these parents with these dreams for me and the way that I should lead my life and who I should become, right? And we all are. We're all those children. And I never imagined that I could live anywhere else or I could do, or I could do anything other than be a CMO inside of a corporation versus start my own business. I thought, why would anybody ever live outside of New York City? How could people do it? Um, and yeah, and the and the the answer is, you know, right. It's that was just that was a a story. It was a narrative. It was a thing that I made up in my own mind. It was passed on to me. God bless my parents. It was passed on to me. But so many people are trapped in, you know. I think it's a it's a Steve Jobs quote or something it's like you know but you it's something about like you know don't lead somebody else's life you know um yeah. and so many people are leading somebody else's life and really you don't like i wake up and i have gratitude every day for being here um every day for building a life that that i really want to to build and create um yeah and uh and, and i think and i think that's important because I think people think that there's no life outside of, you know, rushing and getting on that subway and climbing the corporate ladder, that there's no alternatives. But, you know, you could, you know, you decide whether you're going to get on a plane or not. You decide if you're going to bike in the morning or if you're going to just like go right into slack, you know. Right. Um, and really, it really is up to you. Yeah, I wonder it's um is it a pro- it's not so much a problem of or a challenge even of you know skill or talent or ability or uh or or even you know what zip code you grew up grew up in sometimes it's a challenge of imagination 
You know, it's like, what, what can you imagine yourself doing and how can you imagine yourself doing it? And, uh, um, you know, and again, being in the creative field, it's like, if it's all about imagination, if you, you need to give them something that makes them connect in a way that they hadn't thought about before. And, right. um, and maybe it seems like that's what you're talking about to me anyway. Uh, is that, you know, I, you know, they, this is the way you're going to be, and this is what success is defined as, and this is how you do that success, whatever that is. Um, and it never occurs to you that, oh, I could do that from Maine or Florida or, um, you know, from home or, you know, what have you, or maybe it's a different kind of a job or a more specific kind of a job. Right. So it's interesting. And following your, um, your route, over the last year or so and seeing the business uh, uh, be created and, and grow and, and have some great successes uh, has been inspiring to me. And I've been really curious to know a little bit more about it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for you uh, coming on here and, and having the conversation. Cool, man. All right, let's, 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 uh, let's make this more frequent, stay in touch. And, yeah. Absolutely, I would love that. So that was Jordan Cohen of the Fox Hill Group. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I enjoyed catching up with him. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up soon. Uh, We have a new episode next week and every week thereafter we're shooting for. Uh, Check out the new website. We hope you like it. TheStoryForge.com with hyphens. The-Story-Forge.com uh, and check out the new store and the new merchandise. If you, uh, if you like anything, please order it. All of that supports the show. Um, and uh, we're, we're grateful to have the support. Um, thanks so much for listening. Be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the Story Forge podcast and embracing the idea that making things matters, give us a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever it is you listen to these things. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, interviewing, scheduling, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of Nimblesmith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces a number of other podcasts, including the wonderful A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. If you like the work we're doing, please share the StoryForge link far and wide and tell all your friends about us. And you can always send us questions or suggestions to our email at cheers at nimblesmith.com, spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E. SMITH.com. Or just shop our store on the website at thestoryforge.com. That's thestoryforge, separated by hyphens.com, and click the shop link at the top of the page. Thank you for listening.